Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Austin, my friend. How are you, bro? Happy Father's Day, man. I don't think I've said that to you yet. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to you. You have three kids now. Oh, three too many. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy puts that shit on social media all the time. That is so much fun watching your doggies run around. Oh, yeah. And so for everyone that knows, I have zero children, but three dog children. They are your kids. We love them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to spend time with your boys? Uh, We're going out tomorrow. Uh, So yesterday they were running around with their, you know, they have significant others now. So, uh, you know, that... That's kind of how that works. And uh, no, we're uh, I'm going to lunch with uh, my youngest tomorrow and going to dinner with my oldest tomorrow night. Um, nice. Today was, so it was a calm, calm weekend for you. It actually was. It actually was very, uh, it was a great weekend. So in fact, that's kind of what I thought we'd talk about. I went to a veterans event um, this weekend. It was a, it was a fundraiser for a nonprofit organization that serves the veteran community here in Oklahoma and, uh, buddy of mine's name, uh, Brian Paul and, uh, went out there on behalf of Chateau and, and hung out glad handed, made some great contacts, um, met, uh, met some great people, but man, those veterans, they are a special, special group, especially in that environment. I mean, when the, when you get to, to where they know something's up with their community, the, the core group of people that serve, they're they're just they're just special there's no there's no getting around it well they're an extremely underserved population like mental health and physical health wise i mean for the amount of services that are out there in general for the general public right the veterans are limited in the sense that a lot of the stuff has to go through the va or you know uh an approved tri care you know facility or doctor's office so it's it's hard man for them yeah they just have so many hurdles in front of them and you hear uh these horror and and this isn't about banging on va but you hear so many horror stories from the from the guys that are wanting help and needing needing to get healthy somehow they go down to the va and they just brick wall man they just uh bang their heads against the wall down there um, so it's organizations like this, um, uh, this one's called veterans for life USA. It's organizations like this that are stand up all over the United States. I mean, you see them everywhere, uh, which are yeah. just really these, uh, veterans that have developed a passion to do something and give back to their community and they just do great work. So what, what's the design of this organization specifically? So specifically this organization, uh, is stood up to help veterans get into therapy services. So it's all manner of therapy, um, peer support groups, uh, therapeutic services, IOPs up to and including residential treatment. So they, they help facilitate the connection, uh, of, VA or DAV or some type of assistance and they help financially. Uh, so they're helping veterans, um, maybe pay their way, maybe pick up a flight here and there. You know, we we're it's very familiar to, to what our work. I mean, we work with several nonprofits there. This one's, this one's fairly new. It's fairly young. 
Uh, but he's already, um, he's already, I, I want to say he said up on the podium Saturday, they helped two last week get into treatment. Uh, I mean, they're, that's, that's big. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. If they're, if they're on that kind of average, that's a lot of folks. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy because it's, it is a lot you and I know it's a lot, but to the average person, I, I think they're like, well, what kind of dent are you even making? Like right. two people. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. That's like two lives. Like just take that back for a second and yeah. think about this is, you know, two husbands, you know, sons, fathers, whatever it is getting their, their life back on track. So it's a huge impact. Absolutely. You know, I'm always reminded of the old starfish story. Uh, the little, the little kid that was picking up starfish, throwing them back in the ocean. And the old guy that walks over and says it was the, the beach was littered with starfish and, he said he walked over to the little kid and said, "Don't you realize you're the odds are against you? You're not you're not even making a dent." And the little kid said, it "Made made a made an impression on that one." He picked it up, threw it in, and said, it "Mattered to that one, didn't it?" And that's that's really yeah. the you know the point of even what we're doing of we're making a we're making a dent in our little world and doing what we can and in collaboration with other uh, facilities and you know things like. Uh, this organization and so many other great organizations that we get to be a part of. Yeah. We're making our, we're making our dent too. Yeah. I mean, there's, there is some pretty cool stuff. I mean, that bill that just passed, we, I know we were talking about it this morning, uh, but the bill that passed that said, you know, an immediate need for, you know, suicidal ideation or treatment for suicidal ideation has been passed. I think that there's a ton of things left there to figure out. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a step in the right direction, especially with the, you know, drastic number of people that are taking their own lives that are veterans. Absolutely. You, the, you know, that's a, that's such an enormous machine and animal that it's hard to make a dent in that, but clearly they are seeing the need of, um, making sure a veteran uh, is responded to adequately and can get immediate services. That's one of the many things I think that are involved in that, but it, it's, uh, you know, let's get this guy somewhere quick. Um, my experience and yours is much greater than mine is you start working with veteran and, and it, it gets bogged down really quick and, you know, you sit on your hands, sit and wait. That's a, you know, I, I did 25 years in government service on a state level and it, it on a state level, just, you know, very, very small compared to federal is, Hey, hurry up and wait. I mean, you're looking at 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days later, you're like, where's my stuff. And that's what's happening to some of our veterans out there. Yeah. And like, I, I can only speak, you know, so there, there's two different facets that cover veteran treatment. You have the, the tri-west it's newly formed. I, I think that more used to be more, uh, Gosh, it was an old name. I can't remember what it is, but they they formed TriWest a few years ago, and that has supposed that was supposed to stop some hurdles and get people into some TriWest approved you know facilities or or locations. And then you have a TriCare, which is a lot of what people have for medical insurance that either are active duty or you know former and. You know, TRICARE has made it pretty easy for people. TriWest is, man, it's tough. If you're not one of those places that has gotten approved by them, it's 
it's hard. Like it's they nail it down. I think by state they nail it down to a couple places, which is a good thing too, right? Like hopefully you're you're thinking that they're vetting and they're you know trying to work it out to where they're in the right place, but it also nails them down quite. Sure, a bit. I, th- I think the motives are are and the intentions are good. They're trying to make sure they have good providers and good people serving their uh, their community. Um, but yeah, it does get it does get a loss. But you know, one of the one of the really stand out things about going out to that event Saturday and, and, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it in just a second. Uh, the, I have a personal, very personal love. I was not a veteran. I did not serve in the military. Uh, my oldest son served, uh, but I did not serve in the military, any branch of the service. Um, but their, their care and their compassion and their grace for each other. Um, their acceptance it, it it was just such a great feel to be a part of and uh it, it was clear especially from some of the his team brian's team has is uh his crew that was working the event that they created this platform of love and positive energy and acceptance and it didn't matter uh it, it looked like there was people from all socioeconomic walks of life there and it didn't matter it didn't matter where you were from what was in your bank account what you were driving uh you were there because of the veterans and there was just an incredible atmosphere uh laid out because of it well it's supposed to be a you know brotherhood sisterhood you know family type of thing right like that's that's the idea behind it well i i I know, uh, personally what that, what that actually, that acceptance feels like. I, you know, not judging up old, (laughs) old, old resentments, but you know, my returning back to Oklahoma after Chateau, uh, through, through a series of things, um, some of them, my fault, some of them, not my fault were out of my, out of my control, I should say. Um, but the law enforcement community didn't really they didn't, they didn't pick up the phone and have anything to do with me. It was the veteran community uh, that came alongside me through one one person that led to another person. The next thing you know, I've got I'm in this group of about twenty veterans, uh, and the space they created for me was uh, just absolutely amazing. Uh, just again, acceptance, love, compassion, grace, honesty uh, in your face but with love and grace. I mean, it was just an amazing, it's an amazing group. I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but this is kind of what I've heard from quite a few people, a couple hundred people probably actually is, you know, in the the law enforcement community or the firefighting community. Once you retire, like you're kind of, you're no longer part of the cool kids group. Right. And, as a veteran, that's that's really not the case, right? Like once once a marine, always a marine, kind of a thing, right? Like that's that's what I've heard. I have no personal. Experience no, again, I I don't either. I don't have firsthand knowledge of being in, but it almost has the feel that that gets bolstered once you get out. That once you get out, you're you're in this club, as it were, um, and and you know externally looking outside looking in. Um, I, I see people that they're in it as much or as little as they'd like to be. 
Um, but if you want to be involved and connected, man, that veteran group is there for you. And to your point, the retirement community of law enforcement does have, excuse me, there are, there are some things it's kind of hodgepodge here and there. Uh, but there's some things that are available, but, uh, man, not to the level of that veteran community. Um, you're, you're right. It's very accurate that when you hit that retirement piece from law enforcement, you're, you're out, man. Good. Thanks for giving us the best of you for the last 20, 30, 40 years. And, uh, here's your, here's your pen. Good luck. And, uh, you know, I think that played into, um, you know, the disconnect for me as well a little bit, but, uh, you know, not again, not, not blaming that. I, I just, it's so significant that to point out that community, how special they are. Just amazing group. I mean, a thought came to my head here where I'm sitting and I'm wondering, like, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but this could be, you know, at the beginning of, of why that is, uh, is, you know, mental health, you know, PTS and, and all of those type of things is relatively new in the first responder community, like acknowledging that it exists. Now everyone knew somebody who struggled with it or, or whatever it may be, but you know, from the grand scheme of things, the whole wellness approach in the first responder world is new compared to the veteran side, right? Like I think that World War II was really when they started seeing that negative side of, you know, combat and, you know, it became more prevalent in um, the Vietnam War, the Iraq War, like all, all of these things have hit national news a little bit more than PTS in the first responder community. And I mean, do you think that's the reason why there's just not that connection piece for responders who are retiring the same way that there is in the veteran community? Yes, I think, yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're onto something. I think it may be a little bit oversimplifying the, the totality of it, but I, I certainly think there's something to the acceptance of mental health issues for veterans. And my personal, (laughs) my personal, uh, opinion of the mental health for law enforcement is not good. You know, I, my, my, my experience has not been pleasant. Um, there's this, and, and I've, I'm not the only one there within our alumni group. You know, many people talk about this within the first responder world of, um, you know, that's, that's, and there is a stigma for all for veterans for And it varies anywhere you go. Um, you know, and I, I personally, that's part of why I love what I do now, which is to help create that space for a first responder to say, hey, going home may suck for you. Just be prepared um, because, and if it does, give me a call. Um, but, you know, I'm one guy that gets you. I'm one person that understands and I will give you that space. Just like I was given that space by uh, Travis and Brian and, it, it, the you know those men those those veterans um that gave that space to me and said fuck the rest of them man uh and that's what you know those are hard conversations to have but i 
Yeah, I think there's something to it. I think there's something to the first responder space not being as accepting of that. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if there's really any good answers for that anytime soon. I think the I think the needle's moving a little bit on it, um, but I don't I don't know that that's helpful for the people that are in it right now and the people that are coming out of treatment going home or the people who are having a hard time at home and needing help. I mean, it's, it's a very clear, you raise your hand to say, I'm fucked up. You're, you're, you're screwed. You have, it's, it's a, it's a career dooming. It's very common. That's career, career dooming. And that, and that seems to paint a really negative picture. Uh, but I think it's important Having said that, I think it's really important to quantify that and say, what is your mental health worth? And what is peace worth? What is happiness worth? What is serenity? Uh, because being on this side of it, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. You know, something sticks in my head right there. Uh, when we had Jordan from Deer Hollow on here, he said he had an interaction with a, a chief and the chief said, hey, when we're, we're going to send this guy to treatment. He, so he was having mental health issues, suicidal ideation. He's like, we're going to tell everyone he's there for alcohol. <laughs> and instead of saying, hey, you know, he's struggling with his mental health. And, you know, it flabbergasted Jordan back then. And I, it's still, I think about that every once in a while. Where it's like, that's, that's where we're at. Is I would rather have someone just be an alcoholic and tearing their part of life, tearing their life apart, rather than admitting that there's you know some deeper issues going on there. Isn't it funny that alcohol, uh, being an alcoholic and placing your entire work and those around you at risk because alcohol is a is a better option than PTS? I, I it, it 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 baffles me. Um, but you, you know, you can't fight the system and this is, this is just us sitting here having a real conversation. I would love, you know, to snap my fingers and say, Hey, let's all be accepting of this. And on some levels, arguably we've all been impacted by the law enforcement or firefighter or, uh, emergency medical parts of the job, um, but I think it's significantly more difficult for the retirees uh, who who are disconnected from the group, disconnected from the resources, disconnected from, uh, you know, possibly even the financial aspect, disconnected from their support groups that they've created and didn't realize they wouldn't always be there for them. Um, you know, that retiree bunch, that's a, they're, they're, well, it shows that those, that, homogeneous group is uh impacted heavily because we we see it on this end uh it shows in the data and research on you know the suicide piece um it's it's very evident yeah it's one of those where i mean i was talking to somebody i think i've said it on the podcast before but you know she's like oh i'm gonna build up my my last 90 days of pto over the next you know few years and use that whole 90 days of PTO to take my last 90 days of work and go to treatment. And I just thought it was 
It's brilliant, right? She's like, I know how fucked up everyone is once they leave, so I'm just going to do that and end my career on a mental health high note and move on to the next thing. What a what an ex- exceptional attitude to making sure she enters into retirement into a a pattern of health. And what if what if we all did that? I mean, what if we all took that on as to, you know, maybe it's not all or nothing. It doesn't always have to be, you know, residential treatment. But, uh, you know, a lot of times I say in in my uh, teachings and trainings, um, you wouldn't go 20 years without seeing a medical doctor. Why would you go 20 years not seeing a head doctor uh, to make sure um, that the enormously diverse landmine filled trauma landmine filled career you just walked through didn't have a really negative impact on you. And, uh, yeah, cause it did me, you know? Well, and, and to add to it, I mean, we're, I know we opened up with veterans, you know, some cool stuff going on though. As I was talking, I had our nonprofit board meeting on Saturday, uh, for first responder trauma services, shout out to them as one of our sponsors. But, uh, you know, what they're doing now is is her peer support program, her 40-hour peer support program, she's actually now going into military bases. And so she did everything that she had to do to get it approved and passed off by the right people in the government, which I think took a, a while, had to reduce some costs and, you know, whatever, lower the class numbers. But it's cool to see that they are actually instituting peer support teams into the military also. That is uh, that in and of itself is such a win. Uh, I remember their their conversations uh, back several years ago talking about peer support, and they had a they had a design. I don't remember now what it was. They had a they had a paradigm for it, uh, but some some semblance of it, and it was you know came from top down. And as we well know, uh, you and I have been doing this long enough that if you want something to work, you have to go bottom up uh, for for those types of programs to to actually be successful. If you don't have buy-in from the, the people working the streets and working the grunts on the ground, then you just, it's not going to work. Um, but that, that kudos to them. They, you know, Joanne and Ed are working their tail off to do great things there. And, uh, you know, that's awesome to hear that they're, you know, they're in the doors there. That's a, that's a big win. That's a huge accomplishment. Well, it's also proven that uh, peer support must be working, right? Cause if if the military bases and all those other things are starting to institute the idea of that, they have to see some semblance of value in that. And uh, I think nationally, right, peer support teams have grown and grown and grown, and there's more, you know, many volunteered uh, into that role. Yep. But it just proved that it's worth it. I, I yes, you're you're spot on. I my personal opinion again on that is there's there's no greater mechanism to be able to help somebody in their time of need, especially when they've ended up in a really dark place to have somebody come alongside them who's been there and knows and understands uh, how to get them out. And, you know, again, circling back to kind of the, the theme of, of the conversation that was, that was Saturday. That was Saturday. That was just a group of veterans getting together, having a good time, talking about hard things you know, and I, I, I don't want to leave off the table that the, the, they gave an award, Brian gave an award away, uh, to a guy who, who, and the award was 
derived from a veteran who had taken his life, who had succumbed to the to the evil voices in his head, uh, as it was described by Brian on the podium. And, you know, this this recipient uh, gentleman, one of the opening lines he made was, I came back from my tour and spent five years in my garage making sure I didn't talk to anybody. He, he said, I did not come out of my garage for five years except to eat and sleep. And he said, I finally woke up and said, this is no way to live and started uh, re-engaging uh, in those social interactions within his peer groups and ultimately started giving back. And he received the award because he was giving back to that community so much. And that was, that's straight up peer sport. That's his, that's his community. Those are his peeps. It just breaks my heart that they got to that point, right? Because there's so many people just suffering in silence on that matter, right? Like these people that you have no idea are in their garage for five years, right? Like nobody's nobody's talking about it and you don't hear it till after the fact. But yeah, if there was a way to intercede on that, right? Three years before, man, you could have yeah. stopped a, a lot of suffering. Yeah, it, exactly. And it ran through my mind when I was listening to that. It's like, who, who's checking on that guy? You know, nobody. I'm sure nobody, you know, he just faded off into the sunset, drifted off into, you know, wherever. I think, I think all that, that those check-ins are better now, but you know, this was, this has been a hot minute back that, that, that occurred. And uh, of course now he's, he's doing great work and has been for years, but uh, you know, that Testament alone of five years of, <laughs> I mean, I'm anti-people. I don't want to go out in the world either, but I do. You know, and but, oh bullshit! <laughs> you're in. You're not anti people. You love people. Don't try and play that card right now. I do love people, but uh, I mean, I was thinking. I had Walmart in mind. I had going to the store oh, in yeah, mind. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We don't. We don't like doing that. That's every single time I walk into a store, an airport, like three or four times in my head, I'm just like, "What the fuck is this person doing? Get out of the way! What are you doing? What are you wearing? Yeah." Yeah, who just who told you that looked good? No, dude, it, it's not even that, man. For me, it's just like they just stop in the middle, and you're right behind them. You like run into them, or like they're just floating around in the parking lot, driving like a mile an hour, and you're like, dude, there's like just park a minute away. You know, it's just yeah, because you could use the walk, you could use the exercise. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Very, very true. Well, this has been uh, this has been a great convo. I don't think we should leave this convo without at least saying uh, we this pretty heavy conversation. I think we should at least uh, give an acknowledgement to if if you are uh, maybe in the space that we were talking about, or you find yourself a you know alone uh, and have alienated yourself. Man, give us a call. Uh, again, we, we put our numbers out there all the time. Uh, give us a call, reach out to us. Don't just, just connect. You don't have to live that away. There's so many good people now in this community that would love to connect with you, uh, and help you find the light out of that dark place. Absolutely. Like I, I, from at least my experience with the VA, it's painful and it takes time. And, you know, it's a lot of effort put into to getting the treatment that you right 
rightfully deserve. But there is a ton of people that I have seen walk through that journey and come out the other end from utilizing the resources or treatment centers or whatever the VA does have to offer. You know, once they make it through that initial painful time lapse, uh, there's there's some really good options and people have come out on the other side, a, a ton of people. So there is that option out there. Absolutely. And, and I think I think it's important to note that, that you know, not I have no interaction with the VA whatsoever, but this group that I'm in, involved in, uh, they talk about that a lot. They're open about, hey, have you tried this? Hey, have you tried that? There's people who know how to navigate the VA. So if you need help with that, uh, we can connect you with people who know how to do that. Uh, because it is overwhelming. I, I've never been a part of it, but I've sat there and listened to those conversations and 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 heard these guys talk about how overwhelming it is to go to the VA and not get the help that they really need. Uh, but there are, yeah. but you're right. It, it does do good work. You just got to know how to navigate it. Absolutely. And so take that, take that journey, take that risk. And if, you know, you need help navigating it, there's, there are people out there that can do that. I've, I know even out here in Utah, there's, there's a handful of people I can call that will help navigate that experience for people. And, navigate them through the uh, ER or, you know, the VA in whatever way they can. All right, my friend, until we uh, visit again, it's always great visiting with you. Until next time. See you, bro. Chateau Recovery is a 16 bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's first responder resiliency program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced, immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-2224-19-3. This could be the most life-changing academy ever attended.